Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Welcome to Warriors 24. This is your host, Rick Kern, along with my co-host, Cyrus Satchez, the surf man himself. Yes, we've been away for a while, but under the circumstances, that's to be expected because this is a crazy world we're living in today. And I hope that everybody out there is safe and you and your family and, and your friends are all free of the virus. And hopefully this will reach an end soon. We get back to some sense of normalcy. Speaking of abnormalcy, we actually are going to have an abnormal <laughs> show today because we are going to be joined by someone who actually is, uh, he's actually older than I am. Cause if you can believe that that's really getting up there in age. When you start talking about it, this is someone that I've known for many, many years. He's been, well, we kind of relate a little bit because he's quite the controversial guy when it comes to his writing over the years and the things that he's done. Uh, we're talking about the fair, the famous American sports journalist analyst and raconteur himself peter vesey <laughs> is joining us pete how you doing i'm good rick yeah i got you by a year i believe yeah um, you do you got me by a year what what month were you born in july 1st yeah I, well so yeah you got me by about six months or so yeah that's about right so no a little bit more than that it's about eight months or so so but anyway happy uh happy upcoming birthday to you because uh, yeah you'll be old you'll stay older than i am but insurance purposes though you always count that <laughs> next year after six months yeah so. Anyway, hey, Rick, uh, so, let me let me we we do go back a ways and we you know we basically started uh, a relationship in the ABA. So I was just looking through my uh, my one of my guides and I, I just want to ask you um, and I hate when people say I want to ask you. Why don't you just ask it? Okay, I'm just going to ask it. <laughs> who is your who is the best forward? The other forward that you played with throughout your career that I played with yes with. Uh, well it'd have to be Jamal Wilkes because he be, it was Keith Wilkes because he became a Hall of Fame basketball player I don't think there's another forward that I played with that became a Hall of Fame basketball player I played you know Rudy Tom Jomage was outstanding and all but he he went he's going into Hall of Fame as a coach not as a player um, yeah, but I don't even mean, I don't really mean as, you know, okay, what did they do and, and uh, you know, what did they end up accomplishing and, you know, the inductions and all. I'm, I'm talking about like why, why you were playing. So I have a name, I have a name I'm going to throw out to you that uh, maybe, you know, people probably never heard of him. Uh, Trooper Washington. You know what? I was just going to say, yo, I bet you're talking about Trooper Washington. <laughs> that's funny. I swear. I, that's not a lie. I mean, it just was popping in my head. I bet you he's going to say Trooper Washington from the Nets. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary when you look at, you know, I'm, I'm not a stats guy, but I was, again, looking at the guide yesterday. And uh, Trooper Washington, Rick, I don't know if you know about it, but he is the all-time leading rebounder for a single game in a playoff game. Does that, does that shock you? Yeah. How many, how many ABS. rebounds did he get? How many, how many rebounds 30, did he get? 35. He wow. 35. Wow. Wow. That's I mean, impressive. That, 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 hey, like, all I could say about that is, is that there are a lot of brick masons in that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could go, he could go to the boys. Also, he was a great, he was a great defender off of you playing, you know, complimenting you perfectly. And then when you left, when you left the Nets, 
to go back to the NBA. He, Julius Irving came in as, as basically uh, your replacement, and he held out. He wanted, he wanted, he thought he was worth more to Julius, you know, as much to Julius as he was to you. So he held out for, you ready for how much? Uh, $40,000. $50, I was going to say forty fifty. Okay. <laughs> forty fifty. So, so he, he ended up never, ever coming back to, to pro ball. And, you know, coach, coach in that same league, I don't remember the league, but coach in the same league that Jelly Bean Bryant did and, and all, you know, they had that little that semi-pro league and stuff and died on the court during a game, had a heart attack. Really? Wow. I, yeah. I wasn't aware. Of so, that. I mean, I, I loved Trooper. I loved him. But every, every once in a while in my column, I would, you know, send out something caustic. You know, a, a Trooper, you know, about time you, you stop the holdout, you know, like get back to us, you know. Well, it's grand. a shame. It's a shame. I, I wasn't aware of that story. And the thing is, is that a Trooper was, uh, he was, he was really one of those, Blue collar guy, I mean, you know, blue collar guy. Not actually, no. He's more of like a hard hat guy. I mean, he did the dirty work. He uh, he rebounded. He played defense. Uh, he didn't have an ego. He just wanted to win, and he played hard every time that he showed up. And you're right, he would have been a valuable asset to play alongside Julius Serving. No question about that. But he was a perfect company. He's a great he guy too. Fit. He's a great guy. I really love Trooper. A great guy. He was very funny. He was one of the, you know what? Trooper was always one of those guys that no matter what was going on during the course, any day that you would see him, he would gonna he had that very, he had one of those infectious type of smiles and laughs. Remember? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. him a lot. And you yeah. know, he's the first guy, this is kind of interesting in light of, you know, Kobe Bryant, uh, his death, you know, everybody, everybody brings back the, the replays of Kobe throwing the ball off the backboard, you know, when he's stuck and getting the rebound and putting it back in. Trooper is the first person I ever saw do that. And Trooper is from Philly. And so is Kobe. <laughs> uh, must have been a playground trick. Yeah. 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 So there you go. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Trooper Watson, nice blast from the past. There was a lot of guys from that team. You know, I remember another one that's gone too, Sonny Dove, you know, who was, uh, yes. who was yes. there. Sonny. <laughs> yeah. Sonny and you know, who, and you know who I saw recently? I saw recently a good, good friend, Big Bill's got the pizza place up in Denver. I don't know if you've ever been over there. He's good friends, who, you know, Doug Moe and, and the guys and when uh, Chopper Travellini, as sure. you will remember, Chopper Travellini, the trainer that we had there was quite the character. But I just saw Steve Chubin. You want to talk about a character? Yeah. Steve Chubin. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. probably never heard of this guy. Steve Chubin played ball for many years, and he, and he was a really nice player. And he is like another one of those funny guys that always has a great laugh. And it was fun to see Chub mm -hmm. the other day. And I saw him with he, George he was Carl. A controversial guy, though. He was, oh, yeah. He, he was getting in trouble all the time. But what's the guy's name, Bill, who owns the uh, pizza place? Uh, this Big Bill. Big, you know, I just what's go by Big name? Bill. Uh, I, I I just always you know go who by. he is. I know who he is. Yeah, I, I just. Do you do you know that he what, he played for Al McGuire at Belmont Abbey? I didn't know that really. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've known him. I mean, Doug Mo guy from you know way back from this you know. Yeah. We could we could talk about old timers forever. I'm a, I agree. I'm going to give you one more. Who do you think leads the ABA all time in? Scoring one game, one game, playoffs, playoffs, one, one game. Had the most points two in guys, one playoff two game? Two guys share it. Two guys share it. 
you, you are third with 52. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, what, well, wasn't that the ABA when they had it? The two guys were there. It was, wasn't it George and David? No, wasn't no. Was that, that wasn't ABA? That was NBA? That was NBA. I mean, I'm talking about in one game. No, that was, it. that was NBA. One game playoffs. That wasn't a playoff. Those guys weren't in the playoffs either. Hey, I'll tell you. I'm, we won't keep it going. Give me an initial. Give me an initial. Give me an initial. Roger Brown. It was Roger Brown. Oh, well, was it Roger? Yeah. And, and Julius Serving. They both had 53. Yeah. And you were 52. Yeah, Roger was a great, a, uh, great player. You also had a 50. You also had a 50. You had your 52 for Washington versus Denver, and you had your 50 with the Nets versus Kentucky. So there you go, Rick. All right. There that you all you need? <laughs> you see, here's the thing, Pete. That stuff there, you know, I can't even tell you how many times that sometimes I pick up the newspaper or get it, you know, nowadays, you know, something tweeted out or something on wherever it may be. And I see stuff about me doing, having done this or that. And everything. I never knew about it. I didn't pay any attention to those kinds of things, the stats and points score. I just went out and played and right. tried to freaking win. And it was interesting that I saw things. The only one, the, the one that I'm probably one of the most, that I'm most proud of that I would have done. And it may still be the record. I don't know for the number of assists in a game by a forward. And I had 19 in a game against Chicago in Chicago. And I tell everybody, I said, yeah, well, I probably had over 20 because I'm sure they screwed me out of a couple of them back in Chicago. <laughs> that's, that's the attitude I like, Rick. That's it. Yeah. So that, that was in a regular season game. 19. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I, I certainly never knew that. I was I, I, a few years ago, uh, back during the finals of uh, game in L.A., I don't even remember who the Lakers were playing, uh, your son Brent invited me over to his house in, uh, on the water there. What, what beach was that? Hermosa, um, Hermosa so, Beach. Hermosa, Hermosa. So me, me and my son, he was along, and, and uh, so we were at this party, and John was there. And, and I am trying to explain to him. I said, I, you know, at some point in the party, like we're in the kitchen, the four of us, my son, your two sons. And I, and I asked him, I said, do you have any idea how good your father was? And they said, you know, not really. No, I mean, we know he was great, but, you know, tell us. Tell us. And I said, well, you ought, to look up, you ought to look up how he started out in the NBA. First of all, you know, won the NCAA scoring one year. And then came into the league and uh, led the league in scoring. But his first couple of years, he was an outstanding rebounder. They said, what? I said, yeah. I was 25 and 10 in my first year. Yeah. So I said, you know, you, then, you hurt, then you hurt your knee. And, and uh, so the rebounds went down. And I said, and of course, he was the greatest this guy. And I'm the first guy to say it, Rick. And you, you're, you've said it repeatedly after me, but. I was the first guy to say it that you could do everything that Bird could do, and then and then and then you you know I told them that and they were like they really like they they listened they were listening intently let me just say that. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's that was nice of you to say that. I appreciate that. I but my, as I say, I just went to play, Pete. I I love playing, as you well know. I love to play basketball, and one of the most difficult things for me was when I had when I stepped down when I still could play because I had an operation. They removed a piece of cartilage that was 
as big as a silver dollar and twice as thick from the back of my knee that was wedged in my joint that the, the doctor said to me, he says, how in the world did you play with this thing in there? I said, I didn't know it was there. <laughs> and, and for the right. first time in 10 years, this is after I finished with the Rockets, the first time in 10 years, I actually could sleep through the night without pain and waking up and I could actually sit down and bend my knee like if I was sitting in a movie theater or someplace like that. Whereas before I couldn't do that without a lot of pain and having to straighten it out and had limited range of motion. And, and that summer I had, I remember just, you know, distinctly, I think I had uh, Marcus Johnson and uh, Walter Davis come up to my, my basketball camp up at Sonoma state college. And we would scrimmage at half, you know, at lunchtime and stuff when the kids could get a chance to watch and have the counselors get to play a little bit. And I remember I was, I, I was tearing them a new one. I mean, I was, I, I hadn't felt that good in 10 years, Pete, and never played again because. Were of the they in the league then? They cut, were they in they the league cut, or were they? No, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I think they were still in the league play. I, because my, they cut the rosters in 1980 from 12 to 11 to save money in the NBA. I was going to play with the Boston Celtics right. and they cut the rosters and it was either them or the Lakers or possibly Seattle, but I probably, one of those three teams, but I, I was going to go with the, with, with Boston to play up there, you know, play with and behind bird. And because a lot of guys had done that. I mean, you just can have a litany of list of names of guys that wound up doing that late in their career. And it would have been a perfect fit. And I had felt so good and never played, never played again in the NBA. I went up going overseas on the tour with Pete Maravich and Bobby Dandridge and a bunch of Phil Jackson, a whole bunch of guys. How old, we had a, how old were you then, Rick? I was 36. 36, but still in great shape. And nowadays, uh, you can play to that age or more because of the technology that exists today and the sophistication exactly. of the training. And, and we, uh, Cyrus and I have talked about this a lot. You know, I have people come up to me and say, you know, Rick, you couldn't play today. And I say, are you crazy? I said, I'd be so much better if I was playing today. Yeah. I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump yeah. higher. Yeah. I mean, I have all of this stuff available. We had nothing. We had no weight. We had no strength coach, no agility coach, no dietitian. We didn't have any of that stuff. How about how about the charters and the and the? Well, well yeah, I mean, not charter. having to you know go to bed, go to play a game and go to bed at two, go to bed at two o'clock in the morning to get up at, at five thirty to catch a six thirty or seven o'clock flight on a commercial flight to the next city to tell, play the next night. Tell them what that, it was like. Tell them what it was like in the ABA. Had we had to get up to catch the first plane out in the morning. That was the rule. First well, that was plane. the NBA. Same way, Pete. In the same way that when I was the in the way. NBA. Yeah. But the, but the ABA had cities that nobody ever heard of. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. I remember, I tell people, I remember playing a game at Houston, Texas, and uh, there were more people sitting on the bench and at the scores table than there were in the stands. Yeah. yeah. It was unbelievable. It's, you know, it's, it's you a different world. All right. Time to take a quick break to talk to you about True Classic Tea. Super excited about this sponsor for our show. Styles changing, formal wear is out, the t-shirt is in, especially in this day and age when we're all forced to stay at home. I got me some of these shirts, they're soft, they're comfortable, they hold up in the wash, and the best part is they're cheap, they're only 15 bucks, and you can get them for even less if you go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout B-L-E-A-V, that stands for Believe, baby, the Believe Podcast Network, and you get an extra 20% off your order. If you thought 15 bucks was cheap for an amazing t-shirt, add 20% off to that. Just add the, the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, 
at trueclassictees.com. You know, you two had a great exchange on Twitter uh, talking about those 1980-81 Rocket Celtics teams. Rick, could you clarify? And Pete, obviously, jump in. No, 78 to 80 it was. 78 to 80. I played 78 to 80 with the Rockets. Right, right. But in in 80-81 is where this exchange, where this debate talk started. Wait, he just explained it. He just explained it. Oh, about, okay, so. so, so, I wasn't there in 81. Right, right. We know that you finish in '80. So, okay. So, so, so then you two just clarified it. Then all the stuff you you talked yeah. about. Okay, there you go. No, you know, you talk about you know not not knowing that you were playing with you know the, the problem in your knee. I've always thought about Pete Maravich. He never knew he had a hole in his heart. He played his whole life with a hole in his heart. What wow. is that about? Yeah, How can that be possible? I know. Not in today's world with the tech. Again, with the sophisticated medical advancements that they've had, they would have diagnosed that. No, but that. I mean, what his accomplishments, Rick, what he's able to accomplish with a hole in his heart. I know a guy, Fuzzy Levane, who I'm sure you know. He coached in the NBA, played in the NBA. He, he, told, he had a hole in his heart. And he was always tired, he told me. You know, very good player in high school and college. Always tired. His friends would go out after a game. He would go home and go to sleep. And then when he was older, much older, he had a heart attack at, at the, uh, the New York City Hall of Fame dinner. And that's when he found out he had a hole in his heart his whole life. So, you know, how old was he then? He was 70 or something, you know? It's like, what? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. I remember that because I actually took my old, my oldest son, Scooter. I brought him down to Pete's camp uh, when he was uh, after his uh, freshman year when he sat out at Kansas. And and then I came back to pick him up to, after the end of the week, and Pete comes running up to me, and I thought something was wrong. And I and so I said, what's the matter? Pete, something happened to Scooter? And he said, no, no, I just wanted to tell you. He said, boy, Scooter could really play. So I didn't have any idea he was that good a player. Then he had, they he and Scooter got up. They bonded. No, they really bonded together really, really well. I know it was they really, did. Scooter told me about it. Yeah, it's very. It was really. It was Scooter was just devastated when when that happened, and Pete and Pete passed away. He was very helpful to uh, to, to to Scooter. It was, uh, it was really neat. We had a great time on that trip over, over in Asia, um, playing together. And, and in fact, one game you'll love this one, Pete. I don't know the story. So we're playing against the Taiwanese national team, and so Phil Jackson's our player coach. And I said, Phil, I said, look, what they're playing? A, they're they're playing a two one two zone. I said, let me play point. Because I was a lot taller, obviously, than those guys. I said, Pete, why don't you just go in the gap in between? I'm going to come up the court, and then I'm going to go hard in between the two guys, just spot up in the little in the in the gap, you know, either side. I had 16 assists in the game. 14 of them were to Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Easiest shot in the world for him. <laughs> so it was that was kind of, it was fun. Let me tell you a story. So I when 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 he died, uh, he had played a a game at Cutcher's in the Maurice Stokes game that, that previous September. And I was the only writer who was ever allowed to play in that game. And, and I played with him on the same team, uh, a, a team that also had Oscar on it. And, uh, wow. and, and at one point, I, I, I can't believe it that Oscar and Meredith got to start, but they started. And uh, at one point, uh, I believe it was Dolph Shays was the coach. He sent me into Oscar. And Oscar, Oscar said, am I allowed to curse on you? Yes. Or not? Yeah. You are, you okay. are. No, Oscar, curse away. Okay. So seriously, Oscar said, no fucking way. 
It ain't happening. There is no way a fucking writer is going to replace me. In a <laughs> you know, he didn't say charity in a game. And he was serious. He wouldn't leave the court. So Zach Sanders, who was an assistant, he walks out on the court and he has to put his arm around Oscar. Oscar, it's a charity. So what are you doing? He had to come off the court with his arm around him. So, all right. So I get to play with Pistol at certain points during the game. And on one play, uh, Rick, I'm on a fast break on the left-hand side with him. He gives me an around-the-back pass. I make the lefty layup, and I'm a righty. Made the lefty layup. And he said to me later, he always, I swear to God, he used to call me Pistol. And he said, hey, Pistol, don't ever say I didn't give you anything. And that, <laughs> that August, so that September, he winds up, that was the last organized game he played in, and then he dies, you know, at a camp in uh, in California. So yeah, he was just playing yeah, pickup I, basketball. Yeah, yeah, boy, I I loved I loved being around him. We weren't tight, but we were we were, we were good. We were good. We <laughs> hated the same people. We were good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about gambling, baby. It's the root, it's the foundation of sports. And even though there aren't that many sports right now, the folks over at betonline.ag still have plenty to entertain you with. And you can still bet on eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, The Elections, The Spelling Bee. They have a $750,000 poker series. There is still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code mypod 100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, Pete, right. so, what do you so, got? Tell you got me. Me? Well, no, I mean, obviously we could uh, discuss the situation with what, what's happening right now. I mean, what do you, what do you anticipate is going to happen uh, should we get this virus under control, God willing, hopefully that'll happen you know, relatively quickly. Rick, I, I look, I listen to the governor and the president and I listen, you know, I'm in New York. I listen to everybody. They don't know. They don't know. Well, how do I, know? I have no idea. I, I got to tell you, I, um, I know, I know it's, you know, tragic that the season's ended and stuff, but if this is one of the first years that I really stopped watching uh, the NBA, it just huh. kind of turned off by so much, so much that's going on within the league and uh you know from from guys sitting out of games to the replays to the three-pointers so there's just a whole bunch of stuff it's like well i can't stand it anymore so i might have watched five games this year so uh you know i i don't know I, I hope they come back i hope they make a lot of money but um you know i think this we all see there are plenty of more important things uh you know in this world than worrying about sports and uh um, and, and plus, you know, I, I, I watch Family Feud every night, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the new, the uh, new Family Feud or the old one with Richard Dawson? I watch, I watch any. Oh no, no, the new one, no, the new one. I, I, no, I, love, I love the new one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my day job is a professor. I teach students, aspiring media professionals, the rights and wrongs with journalism. And one of the first things I teach them, especially in a competitive industry like the media, is they have to create an account at LinkedIn. And if you're trying to hire someone at LinkedIn, it's got the greatest 
applicant pool you could find. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. You know, um, Pete, anyway. Peter, if you, don't, if you don't want me asking, Peter, you know, you've, you know, I'm, I'm, you, you two have over 30 years on me, but so my earliest memories of basketball was watching you as part of that studio panel on NBC discussing sports. I did read a lot of your columns. Uh, my, my first questioning is, Peter, is, you know, this is the first time the NBA is basically shut down since the 98, 99 season. And you wrote some amazing columns eviscerating a lot of players and i think rightfully so for coming back out of shape or simply not coming back prepared in your opinion i know you just said you haven't been watching much this last year but are there some players in your mind that you think stick out that might not be working out might not be going through the same routine so when the season does resume if it resumes uh that they might not be prepared well, again, uh, you know, I, I really don't like to deal in speculation. I, you know, I'm not going to pick out any player that I think might not. It's going to be difficult, no matter who they are and how, how serious and diligent they are about working out. We, we all know that the only thing that gets you into game shape is playing games. Right. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult at the beginning for all of them. And uh, I, I anticipate, you know, I will anticipate injuries. And plenty of them. And, and, uh, and, and saying that in, in, in light of how many injuries are going on in this league for many years, you know, Rick, you talk about we never knew about the weightlifting and, and all that stuff, how to stay in shape the way these guys do. But to me, there's way, they spend way too much time in the weight room and not enough time, you know, in the gym. I, I, I played out, outdoor ball. I had a team in the Rucker for, for, for six years. And uh, playing with some of the best players, you know, Julius Irving, Charlie Scott, all those guys playing for me. And um, we never had one injury playing outdoors. Not one. So you tell me. <laughs> I mean, come on. Huh. This is, and, and it was serious game. They, was a, you know, they talk about the rocker, no defense. Yeah, really? Well, I remember <laughs> Julius Irving going up to try to, try to dunk on somebody. He guy tried to break his arm at the rim. You know, it, it, it was serious, and uh, you had to be serious because the crowd was serious. So my point is, is I, I you know, hey, it's going to take a time. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, the league will make sure there there is time. If it's this year, if it's next year, well, then you're just going to, uh, you know, you go through your routine in past years mm -hmm. and stay in shape. But more, less time in the weight room. Yeah, Rick, what, what do you think, Rick? I mean, you know, I suppose you both of you guys this. You both know more about basketball than I think anyone. I think you two collectively could literally school anyone in terms of information and knowledge and experience. Uh, what, what's going to happen here? Are they, are, are they going to come back? And, and if they do, like, how, how do you two envision this season going? I, I, to me, I think what they'll do is if, if they have the opportunity at all, they're going to try to come back and, and have a season and have a champion just a matter of they'll probably cut back. I don't even know if they'll finish out the season. They may have to may play a few games if they think it's justifiable, but they, they will. And I think they're going to at least have to have them give them at least a week or so to get into camp, to do something, to get them to some semblance of, of shape, hoping that the guys are working out on their own. But the problem with it is, is that where do you find the place to work out? I, I was just out today with my son Canyon, you know, on a, on a playground where we found where they hadn't locked it down or, 
you know, took the nets and took him off the basket or something to have him just get out and shoot a little ball with his three on three stuff. Cause he's on that qualifying team for the Olympics just to try to have a ball in his hands because you can't find places to do that. So they have to have some time to get him back on the court and the quality of the play. If they do do that at the beginning, is probably going to be uh, less than ultimate, you know, the ultimate, I mean, it's going to be pretty insignificant, I think, as far as how well they played, uh, but they're going to try to do it. And then I heard if they do that and they go into a little further, they'll just delay the start of the season uh, till next, till uh, probably into the end of November after Thanksgiving or something like that, or beginning of December. That's what I'm hearing. I think they'll try to do that if it at all possible. I really believe they will because it's costing them a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cost the whole world a lot of money, but Rick, I I don't, uh, I, I don't see how it can happen. How do you go past July 1st? which is the free agent date. Why, why would players take a chance to play past that date if they don't have a contract? Well, you I'm know, just saying the I NBA might want to do it, but the Players Association may not want to do it. Peter, that's a good yeah. point. I yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very valid point. And the Players Association may say, hey, they're not going to do that. I, it just depends. You don't know what's written into the clauses. I heard there was a clause in there that supposedly the league wants to go ahead and get them to cut back on the amount of salaries, what, 50%. And then the league was saying, well, no, we'll do 75. But supposedly there was some clause in there that if some crazy thing happened, that they wouldn't necessarily have to be obligated to pay all of the salaries. I, who knows all of the intricacies? I don't yeah, know. Exactly. So, who knows? Yeah. yeah. And again, I, we, say we, know, we know the one date is July 1st, and um, I, I just don't see players playing past that date. Well, but the thing is, they may be able to go and say because of a clause that's in there, because of the fact that something that no, happened. There's no clause on that. There isn't? No, okay. No. Um, I don't know. I don't know the, the reason, but that would be a certainly a valid one. If you're going to be a free agent to do something, why would you want to stay and, and, and play and do all of that crazy stuff there? So there's a lot more to it than yeah. people realize, yeah. but it'd, it'd be hmm. kind of weird, right? To have for the first time in the history of the league to not have a champion. Well, they certainly, they certainly did have two other, two other times where they lockouts where they only played fifty games. Right. Yeah, I, I remember all those things, which was yeah. crazy because so that they was have, they had bad advice, bad advice to the players, and they got rid of the guy that advised them because all that do was that cost the players so much money uh-huh. and the league so much money. It was ridiculous. It was a battle that was not going to be won. There's no way that they were going to win out over the league right. and David Stern, and it just was it was foolish. It was so foolish on the players' part. I mean, if I had been still active right, as well, a player, I would have been up in arms over that. <laughs> I agree. My my point is though that they play sixty six to sixty seven games now, so they don't really need to come back. So they've already played a season. They played seventeen yeah. more games, sixteen more games, and they played twice before. So come right. back for the playoffs if you're going to come back at all. That's yeah. It. Well, I would. I. I. But I do think if they do it all, come back, it, they're going to have to have a. Uh, they're going to have to have some time to yeah. get them in the gym. <laughs> you know, yep. get them on the court. Yeah. No yeah. No and, and, and personally, I don't, I don't, I've been reading a lot and, and I love your, both your takes about how, about how maybe this is good for the league to expand or to push everything back to have the NBA finals run in July or maybe even August, simply because baseball's popularity has waned. It's diminished tremendously over the last 10, 15 years. And that's the only competition. If you have basketball going through the summer all the way through August, you have no other sports. I know people leave the house more often, but you don't have competition in terms of other sports. And I think the goal from what I've read is to try to get this thing done, the NBA Finals, before the start of the NFL. And then you can resume your season in December when everyone really thinks it fits right. most appropriately, right around Christmas. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Right, I mean, well, you, well you, again, again, you passed July 1st, so I don't, I don't see that happening. Huh. And, uh, you know, as far as, as far as competition goes, 
you know, the, the NBA has figured it out the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years or so that they, they know how to get the publicity the whole year. Yeah. You know, with with the with the draft and then they and then and the free agency and then they go to camp, they go to they go to the the Vegas for the, so they figured out how to get publicity. It's amazing. Yeah. I remember in the old days, Rick, you would have in the summertime you'd have one thing. You'd have you'd have the league meetings. That was <laughs> and usually and that was usually in that was usually in September. Yeah, right, but that was it. There was, yeah. there was nothing going on during the summer. I mean, okay, they played they played the summer league in, in you know small gyms in L.A. or uh, Boston or something. Yeah, it was nothing it's like amazing. it is now. No, I mean it's, it's it's amazing what it is. Yeah, but they didn't even they didn't even have that years ago when I first came in. There was I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was like, I mean, I remember that even though like when they do the draft and stuff, I remember I was back doing something as an appearance I made at my high school in Roselle Park, New Jersey, and got a phone call from the general manager of the Warriors said, "By the way, we just drafted you." <laughs> oh, that's, isn't that amazing, amazing. Yeah, things have changed that way. They yeah. really have. I, I, so I have, I have some get your input on this because. As you well know, Kevin Durant, you know, leaving the Warriors, going back now to Brooklyn, it could be in the New York metropolitan area. We all know that Kevin Durant was not a big fan of, of the media, and he doesn't like to have to talk to him and be involved and in doing that stuff. And he, and I'm just saying that why would you choose to go back to freaking New York? I mean, I know what it's like being in New York and having played there, and you having been there as a writer for so many years. What is he in for? I mean, does he understand truly the type of scrutiny that he's going to be under compared to what it was like when he was in Oklahoma City and San Francisco? Yeah, um, I, I, uh, I, I'm not tight with him, I, I, but I, I met him this past, um, this past year, um, I guess the year before he was still with the Warriors and uh, I was in Phoenix and he came in and I, and I wanted to introduce myself to him. And it was right after the time where he snarled at the media about asking him about where he was going to play. And uh, so, so there I was talking to him uh, in, in the locker room and, and he, you know, he, he knew who I was and stuff. And, and we had a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I got to tell you. And I told him at the time, I said, you know, I had heard a little Brooklyn stuff at that time. And I said to him, you know, if, if, you, if you do decide to go play in New York or Brooklyn, I said, the one thing you got going for you big time is that I'm no longer writing there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he got a big kick out of that. And look, to answer your question, it seems to me that, again, I don't know. Uh, I haven't spoken to him since. But, but I, I, I think that he really wanted his own team. He, he took a lot of heat for joining a team of superstars and, you know, supposedly hopping on the bandwagon and, and whatever. I don't see it that way, but that, that's what a lot – he took that personally. So now he wanted his own team. You know, his, his agent is from New York. Uh, he's a, he's a longtime Nick uh, season ticket holder and, and uh, you know, ardent fan, but now so – didn't want to go to the Knicks for, for many good reasons and join and join the Knicks. I, I personally don't think he made a mistake. I, I, I even said at the time when he signed, I just think wrong team. I, I thought that, uh, you know, you didn't, first of all, everyone's like, wow, the Nets, the Nets got Kyrie Irving and Durant. And, and I like the next day I went on an LA radio station and said, what are you talking about? First of all, you don't know what F, what Kevin Durant's going to be after this. You have no idea if he's going to be the same Durant, seventy percent. What you don't know, Kyrie Irving, he's always hurt. Said that at the time, always hurt, chronically always. hurt, and 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 he's a problem. You know, look, 
Stevens couldn't coach him in Boston. I said, so what, what are you raving about? You got rid of a lot of your role players who were really good the year before. I said, I don't see it. I don't like it. And, uh, <laughs> I, said, and I said, replay this. Replay this a year from now, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't well, mistake. Well, my thing was is that why would you want to leave Pete? Why would you want to leave? I mean, I would give up part of my salary to be a part of that Golden State Warrior team and what they had going for them. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You know, egos, you know, egos, and your people, yeah. people were just just killing them. They were, you know, all the time. You know, they they felt he was undeserving. Meanwhile, look what he accomplished when he was there. I, I'm a I'm a huge Durant fan. I'm a huge. You know, Clay Thompson and Curry mm. fan. I mean, how can you not be? How can you not mm. be? So, um, not not a big fan at all of the owner, but uh, you know, Joe uh, Lacob. Who Lake Joe Lacob? You're talking about? Yeah. Why are you a big fan he, of Joe? He's black. He's black. This is the Mark Jackson from the from the day from the day of that last meeting. You know, until now, I'm sure. You know, said some so many untruths about that whole situation. So I have no use for that guy. Interesting. Do, 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 mind, liar. do you mind divulging yeah. in terms of what he said that wasn't accurate or that was exaggerated? There's so, there's so many things. There's just so many. It's like, uh, you know, one that stands out, not even the, the biggest stands out, it was Mark Jackson. 200 people in our organization, Mark Jackson. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> any regular, you know, in the Bay Area, to think about that? Like, why would he have anything to do with 200 people? He's a coach. He's a coach. You know, he might speak, he might speak to the, uh, you know, work once or twice a year or something. He's not dealing with those people. So it was just a blatant lie. And the, and the, 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 uh, the media just, you know, went all for it. There were so many things. I mean, it was like, you know, to this day, to this day, they, 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 you know, he, I spoke to Jerry West the day before that Mark Jackson met with the owner and the GM, the day before. And Jerry told me, he knows I'm good friends with Mark. And he told me, he said, you should tell Mark that he, if he wants to stay here as coach, he has to say at the meeting tomorrow that he will change assistant coaches. I said, all right, I'll call him. And I told him. And he went in there and they brought it up that they wanted to change the assistants. And he said, no. He said, they were good enough, my assistants, when we, when we you know, I'm not going to get all the things right, but when we, when we beat, what was it, Denver? In, in upset Denver right. the previous year? Okay. Correct. They were fine then. They were fine then. You know, we lost, we lost to the Clippers in, what, game seven, right? Correct. Game seven? You know, on, on the Clippers court, without any center, we didn't have any centers that were healthy. They had changed. They had gotten rid of his, his, his top, Jared Jack. They had gotten rid of him that year. He didn't have him. Yep. Uh, he had Blake. He had Blake, whatever his name is, as a, as a third guard. Are you kidding me? And th- so they wanted him to screw his assistant coaches. So he was loyal. He wouldn't do it. So what if he said yes? What if he said yes? So he would have stayed? That would have said, yeah. But so, so now he, he goes out of the room. It's done. You know, okay, you're not coming back. You're far. And, and everyone knocks him. You know, Leighton locks him, did this, did that. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I'll tell you one more thing. The previous year, the previous year, the previous summer, 
he and the he and the general manager were offered new contracts, lowball contracts, offered new contracts the year before. So within the year, Mark turned it down. The GM took it and and said to Mark at the time, he says, "You you know I can't afford to turn it down. You know you can. You you, you just had a great great you know win in the playoffs." And and um, he said, "I understand why you're not going to take it." They were angry at him for that, for turning it down. So that never got out. You, this is the first time you're ever hearing that, right? Come on. To a certain degree, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. I never, I never, I never heard that. I can, I, I can kind of relate. I can relate to that as well. So. Well, I've, I've, yeah, I've heard, they never, I, they never got out. They never got out. I have read, no. I've heard, I've read speculation that Mark Jackson was asked to replace assistant coaches. I, that's, I've never heard of the. the no, this. no, 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 uh, no, no. Let's not confuse the issues here. The assistant coaches is well known. I'm talking about being offered a contract the previous. I haven't heard that. No, I've, I've never heard that before. Yeah, of course. It's the first time you're hearing. You know, do you also know that the Nets, the Nets tried to talk to, they asked permission of the, of the, uh, of the owner to talk to Mark, to hire him at that time, during that, during that time, and, and uh, they refused permission. Interesting. You know, that was going on, too. Yeah, From I mean, the there Nets? Was so many, I'm sorry, there were so many, the Nets. The Knicks. Wow. I know Knicks. Knicks. I know that for a fact. But and he was interested. But they they didn't know. You're on a contract. We're not letting you talk to him. I, I, I mean I got that straight from straight from the Nets. So there's again, there's so many I, I there were like ten different issues. I think there's one reporter out there, a woman reporter, I, I can't remember her name, I should, but I know we're gonna talk about this. She was the only one that went and interviewed um, the president of the team. What's his Rick Welts? Well, Rick Welts. She yeah. went and interviewed him regarding Mark's comments, you know, uh, anti-gay supposedly comments. Yes. You know, when Collins, when Collins, okay. She went and interviewed him, the only one. And he denied there was a problem in print, you know, on the record. Right. Denied that uh, he took offense to it, which that's not, that's really not true. He did. But then they met, they, well, well, they met and they talked about it and, and they, and they got, got over it because he explained what he meant. But again, these, these guys is like nothing. They, they followed nothing. They took everything, you know, straight from the PR people and straight, you know, sec- no respect for any of those guys that cover the team. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so in other words, you you feel like Lake wronged Mark Jackson, and from the reasons you cited, I could understand that point. Um, yeah. I you know I I, I did definitely did. So so yeah, in your I, opinion, oh sorry, sorry, Rick, go ahead. No, I just want to let everybody know that you're, you've been listening. It's Cyrus Satch, just my uh, co-host here on Warriors Twenty Four. This is Rick Barry. You're listening to uh, Peter Vesey, who is a, a, a well-renowned sports columnist for many, many, many years in the New York metropolitan area. The uh, Kirk Dowdy Media Award winner back in 2009, which uh, is a Hall of Fame award. That's like yes. the highest honor you can get as a media member. So congratulations again on that, Pete. Uh, and Pete is hey, there. Yeah, Hey, Rick, let me stop you there. So as long as, as, long as I'm going, running in my mouth. You know, so that, that Kurt Gowdy Award is such a award. It's such a bogus award. And, oh. and the reason being is that, the reason being is that uh, when Mel Daniels went into the Hall of Fame, right, was, was going to be inducted, he wanted me to present him. All right? So 
the, the, the Hall of Fame said, no, a media member can't do it. He's not in the Hall of Fame. I said, wait a minute. Am I in the Hall of Fame or I'm not in the Hall of Fame? He said, well, you're in the media Hall of Fame. I said, so, oh. So I said, so, so there's an extra day of Friday so you can make extra money and sell tickets. So that's why you have a media award. <laughs> I, I, put, I put my award up for auction. I auctioned off my award after that. I'm not going back there. Are you kidding wait, me? Wait, what? You, you auctioned? What, on eBay? Like, what, how did you do that? I did it, I did it through a big auction company. How much? How much? How much? How much is that award worth? Okay, I think well, it's worth for one guy. It was worth. I think I'm not going to get it exactly right. It was like seven hundred and eighty-six dollars, uh, and I said the guy <laughs> overpaid by seven hundred and eighty-five. <laughs> I didn't realize that you had such a uh, such a, a a bitter feeling about that as far as what well, took place. Yeah, but I, I would agree with I you. Did. I don't understand why they wouldn't have let you be the person to stand up for him because you don't do anything other than just stand there. Look, Rick, you I can under- Pete, 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 well, no, let me get this in. No, no. Yeah, I could understand it if they thought you were going to actually get up there and speak, but since you weren't going to be able to speak, <laughs> I don't see why they wouldn't let you do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, that, that would have been dangerous speaking, but not for Mel. Mel, I had to talk Mel. You know, you know, Rick, we had that committee. We had the ABA committee. Me and you were on it. And uh, we, we put Mel Daniels in. But before he went in, before we voted on that, I had to talk him into He did not want to go in. He, he, he wanted no part of it. And I, and I really talked him into it. And well, Okay, so he was ready. And then, and then he, got, he was sick. He was sick. For, he, couldn't, he couldn't go to the induction. And, and then he died soon after. So um, that, was, that was so meaningful to me that he asked me, and uh, I'll never forgive him for that, never. Wow, what a story! That's crazy. You know, Pete, I, and we can follow Pete uh, Peter Vesey on Twitter at Peter Vesey One. And I don't know if this is your account or not, because it's not verified. But on Instagram, I'm seeing an account called P Vesey. Uh, I'm on Instagram, the, but I don't really, I don't really put anything on it. Well, the reason why I bring it up is because um, in in the bio, you wrote something interesting. You put, uh, you write all the your career accolades, and and one of the things you wrote is four years with TNT until Barkley couldn't take what he dissed. Um, could you elaborate on that? <laughs> well, that was me. No, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so what happened with Charles Barkley? Like, is that true? Like, did he really push you out because he couldn't handle? He couldn't dish take what he dishes. He, you know, I look. He was whining. <laughs> From the moment he showed up there, I was there before he got there. We actually had the same agent. And, uh, you know, we were on and off over the years. I would, I would kill him in the paper. He'd kill me in the Arizona paper, and, you know, on and on. And, uh, you know, then we buried a hatchet, and then we try to bury it in each other. And then, and then uh, you know, so then we end up working together. And, and I was on there for content. And, and he was on there for abusing substance. <laughs> so, so when, when we, when we were when, like the first time we worked together, it was like, you know, immediately it was, it was like, he's telling me, I, you know, I can't dress. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, <laughs> Whoa, what is going on here? This guy has nothing. right. So I, I think we worked twice together. There was TNT and TBS at that time. So you right. could work one or the other. And, and I asked the boss, which was, my ultimate mistake um, if I could not work with him because 
all, all I do is spend time, you know, arguing with him and, and telling him how wrong he is, everything he says. And they definitely held that against me. And and mm. then, you know, also while we were while we were on there, um, we had a producer, uh, Callie, what's his name, something like that. He was in our ears, instigating, instigating <laughs> both of us. You know, like did you did you did you gonna let him get away with that? Did you just hear what he said to both of us? So of course we're getting on each other, and and so uh, it, it went from from worse to uh, worser. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, so, um, yeah, so, you know, by me asking the guy, and then I was also killing him in my college, which was stupid on my part, so I should have never done that. I took it, I took it to my college, and mm. it on the air. So, again, that was, that was, you know, they held, that was it, I, was, I wasn't renewed. It doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't work out well when that happens. But they see they love that stuff. That's why the producer, the director was in your ear, the producer, because they love that kind of stuff. I remember doing my radio show. They used to love it when I got into it with one of the other co-hosts of another show and did stuff. But they just oh, that's such great radio. They love Ralph all that. Yeah, well, I you didn't bring Ralph. his I didn't bring his name up. Come on, Cyrus. That was just <laughs> yeah. nice. It was good radio. It was great yeah, radio. Got- we do that. It was fun. Then they got tired of it. You know, the Post, the Post let me take on anybody I wanted. They didn't care. Other newspaper men, they didn't care. But, I, I, again, big mistake knocking them in the column. Uh, all warranted about what I said about them. You know, it's interesting. Charles Oakley the other day had some very negative stuff to say about Patrick Ewing. I don't know if you've read it. No. He, he talked, the old man. You should look it up. It was on CBS radio. And okay. Everybody carried it. And he, he killed him. And, and a lot of what he said, first of all, he told no lies, just so you know that before you read it. Um, but but what, he, what he said primarily was that he wasn't, wasn't a good leader and, and uh, you know, he really was all about Patrick. And, and so the thing that Barkley and I got into, just never, he wouldn't let it go, is that he brought it up. He said, screw the Knicks. Look what they did to Patrick Ewing. Trading him to Seattle after all those years, how could they screw him like that? And I said, Charles, you don't understand. First of all, he asked to be traded. He demanded to be traded. He was on the last year of his contract. He refused to accept a lesser role, so they traded him. And by trading him, he ended up, and Chekhov made the trade, they ended up screwing the franchise for 10 years after because had they kept him, and, and just dealt with him, you know, with his petulant self. And uh, for a year, they would have had all that cap money. Instead, they trade him to Seattle for Glenn Rice and a bunch of other guys who were making ridiculously uh, you know, guaranteed money, screwed the team for years, set them back. So he, he just couldn't fathom it in that small brain of his. You know, he <laughs> didn't know anything, but he was just, he was just, just uh, you know, going off the top of his head, which is, Jesus, how dangerous is that? Didn't know anything. So that's why I objected so strenuously to it. And here I am, how many years later, and how many millions shy later, am I still <laughs> saying the same stuff? <laughs> With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune, or... 
you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Go to simplysafe.com/team today and you'll receive free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. You're home all the time right now. Why not feel safe while you're home? Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com/team that's simplysafe.com/team from Simply Safe and all this here Wishing you safety and good health. Oh man, you know, you know, Peter, you, you you're insanely knowledgeable when it comes to New York sports, especially the Knicks fans. To me, no, are the, no, 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 don't, don't be pigeonholing me like that. I'm, I'm an oh, NBA guy. I'm not. I'm not oh, well, okay, okay. Guy. Maybe then let me clarify. New York basketball. Uh, so you know, Knicks fans to me are the most tortured fan base in the NBA. I mean, I, I can't picture any other fan base being more miserable in this day and age. And and the, pretty much the entire reason is the owner, James Dolan. Do you have a message for Knicks fans? Do they have hope? And what's your what's your, what are your thoughts on James Dolan? To me, that that organization is a shit show. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, the less I say about Dolan, I mean, it speaks for itself what he's what he's done. You know what what's happened. Take it back. You know. What's happened to the franchise under his rule? He he could check, excuse me, he could check us out, and has been in charge ever since. Uh, at the same time, I gotta I gotta you know give him give him a, you know his due. He he overspends to, to to make the team a winner. He brings in you know all these name people uh, to to run the franchise one way or the other. Coaches, GMs, you know loyalty. Loyalty beyond belief, keeping guys long after they should have been there. Kept mm-hmm. Isaiah forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Kept Mills forever. Ridiculous. He's very loyal. I mean, I, I, I well, what, I'm not going to get into you know what, what I almost almost worked for. Him. I wanted to work work there under Isaiah as GM, but uh-huh. but um, wow. I, I I don't. Wait, wait, Peter, you you were offered the G, you were offered the GM job for the Knicks. Wow. But Dolan said no. Dolan, Dolan, Dolan said no quickly. I won't admit as quickly. In fact, he didn't say no. He just kind of ragged me, and then I, I walked out. I said, I can't deal with this. And Isaiah said to me after, he said, you couldn't, you couldn't have stayed in the room for like more than 10 minutes, five minutes? You couldn't <laughs> stay there? I said, no, I couldn't. But, but uh, and, and, and I truly believe, Rick, you know, I'm, I've got an ego like yours. I truly believe that had he hired me, uh, the, t- the team would have made the mistakes that uh, Isaiah made. And um, because when he and I worked together at NBC, there were so many times that before we went on the air live, we would discuss what we were going to say. And there were so many times I would say to him, Isaiah, you cannot say that. Unlike Boston, he listened. <laughs> so I believe I, I, I believe I would have had – a lot to say about moves that they made and uh, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. My, my advice to Nick is a question. These sophisticated, so sophisticated Nick fans who've been ripped off for, you know, a decade, more than a decade now, mm-hmm. two decades. Now, the only way it's going to change is if somebody, the corporations who buy just going to keep, you know, you get into it with Spike Lee last year. Let's see if Spike Lee shows up the next time, uh, you know, when there's a season. Um, so, I mean, that, that's stolen in the next. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's well, been a horror show. There's no question about it. They kind of screwed things up. And not my favorite franchise since they didn't draft me when I wanted to go there. And the other <laughs> day, Irish said I was too skinny and flaky. I said, hey, he may be right, but I don't appreciate him saying it. <laughs> so I, I never heard he said you were flaky? Yeah, too skinny and flaky. Flaky? How would he know you're flaky? Uh, that, that's what, listen, there's a lot of people that think and say things about me that have no idea who I am either. So he thought he wasn't the no, first. No, no, wait, wait, he might be, he might've been right. I want to know how he knew. Well, I'm saying, I mean, I, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, I obviously he believed some of the stuff that he read. Although I don't, I don't really. You weren't in the league. You weren't in the league yet, Rick. Rick you don't I know. remember. Rick, I know. I, I was in college. University of Miami. I went down to the University of Miami when you played there. Did you remember that? When we played who? No. no, when you played at Miami, I was down there with you. You don't even know that. But I was down there. I didn't know you personally, but I knew how great you were. I knew Chuck Oliver. Chuck Oliver. Yeah. So I was a friend of yours till he died. You know, yep. he was a friend of mine. We played high school ball, outside ball together. And I went and showed up, and there was another guy, Kessler, on the team. Larry Kessler, there. right. Yeah. Whose father was a bookmaker, and I think, and, and he became a bookmaker himself. There you go. So, so I was there. You didn't know I was there. I, I actually tried out for your Miami team. Uh, you had Mike McCoy, right? Right. And, and I, I, I was, I was trying, I was trying out for your team, and then uh, um, Bruce Hale, the, the, the uh, coach, the first wide, yeah, the coach. He found out that I wasn't on the team. He I found out I wasn't, the, I wasn't even in the university. I was staying there, but I was just, <laughs> I was just working out the team. And he came to me, he says, are you, who are you? Do you go to this school? I said, no. He kicked me in the ass. <laughs> and I went out to those outside courts on the outside of the gym. There. And I, I got a ball and I played there. <laughs> That's funny. So Rick, I didn't you, know that. You and I go back a long way more than you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I didn't know you were down there at that time. I didn't know that at all. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's but so that's my thing. That's why I had a lot of incentive when I played against the Knicks. So I, it was. Uh, well, that's a damn shame. Who, who did they take? Bill Bradley. Oh, oh well, well. Yeah, that's. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Pretty damn good college career, that's for sure. Well, college, yeah. <laughs> Said the senator. You know, you know that you know that when he played in the semifinals consolation game, right? Yeah, when he scored fifty or whatever well, it was. I think it was like, geez, he scored fifty some. He scored fifty or plus points, I think, in that game. And then when they had this, uh, the third place game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he won the most. Not the valuable player. What do they call it? The most outstanding. Uh, yeah, most outstanding play. He won that. And Gail Goodridge, who got like forty-two in the final against Michigan, <laughs> he he didn't get it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that's yeah, the new, so that's some of the New York bias. Huh? I said it's what? a little bit of the New York bias and some of the people over there in the media is about what happens and going on. Just like when I played as a sophomore and uh, junior, we played at the garden, played against Providence over there. It was that the home cooking was just unbelievable when you played in the NIT, which back then, as you well know, was the big tournament, not the great. NCAA tournament. It was great. Yeah, it was great. And yeah. Providence had who? Vinnie Ernst and, Lynn, and, uh, and, and Ray Flynn. 
And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Egan, Egan and Wilkins had graduated. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, yeah. I love those Providence teams. Like, I love them. They were unbelievable. Yeah, we actually knocked them off uh, in the regular season and break, broke their home winning streak during the regular season. The black, the black sneakers, right? The, uh, oh yeah, it was crazy stuff. And then, one thing, you're listening, you're listening here on Warriors 24 to uh, to Peter Vesey, uh, who is a renowned American sports journalist. Uh, I won't even bring up the Gaudi Award again, but I just did that. Uh, but <laughs> what a story! Uh, but you know what? What's interesting in reading about you, Pete, that I didn't, even, I didn't even realize you're a little bit kind of like me. You're kind of like a family, kind of like the, the varies in basketball uh, when it comes to freaking, you know journalist and stuff of that nature i mean your famous brother you know for the right. time sports columnist george vesey but then tell us a little bit more i didn't even realize that you had you know daughter and other people involved i mean you got quite a background in your family in, in journalism yeah. yeah everybody everybody in the family seems to have gotten into my parents were both uh journalists and uh my father was sports editor of the long island press rick really my wow. mother was the society yeah my mother was the society editor Right. They both, they, I, 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 you, you can see, you can see my attitude, you know, in certain things because they got fired for uh, helping start the guild union. Now they didn't have to; they were management. They didn't have to, but their friends were all on that picket line. They went out on the picket line with their, with my mother's mother, against horses, uh, cops on horses, you know, banging their heads with nightsticks. And so that's the beginning of our, our family. Uh, wow. Journalism. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and then, then, then yeah, what? You got daughter. George's, George's brother, George's daughter, right? Was George's daughter was uh, Laura. Seattle paper, Laura. Um, his son and works for the Times. Your daughter, Taylor? My, my daughter, my daughter is a writer for newspapers on Long Island. And my son is a writer, but he writes comedy for, with, uh, um, Sandler. Really? Adam, yeah, with Adam Sandler. He's done like your son, your movies. son is part of your son is part of Adam Sandler's yeah. like comedy troupe. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Wow. I'm so proud of him, man. He he just moved to L.A. to be closer to the action, and uh, yeah, so he's, he's he's done a lot of stuff. And he opens for him a lot. They go on tour. And he opens. Really. Amazing. Absolutely. That is amazing. Congratulations yeah. to that. That's, yeah. Yeah, well, all you hope is your kids, you know, that you just hope that they, they stay good people, that you instilled some good values in them and you just wish them right. nothing but the best. And when you see them be able to excel and succeed, especially when they have to do it in the shadow of what you cast on them in the same profession, that's right. not an easy thing to do. Right, as you know, yes. No, a absolutely true because he gets it all the time, but... It's always it's always positive he gets it, but it, it's true. It's like all the time people. Say, the only one who didn't who didn't know who I was, I, I don't think, or cared, whatever. What they he did a movie with Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Um, they they spent a month in Montreal and a month in Italy, and I kept saying, "Ask Jennifer; she knows who I am." <laughs> and she did it. No, no, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, who knows? She, maybe she's not into sports. She's, she, is, she is in L.A. She grew up in L.A. too. Who knows? So what are you doing now, Pete? What are you doing to keep yourself busy? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just living on Long Island, you know, retired from writing. I'm off and on trying to write 
but I, you know, we've rescued animals for a long time, but they, mm. Oh, you're gonna have another. You're gonna have another yeah. documentary. Are you gonna be like Tiger King? Are you gonna? I mean, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> a couple. Of, one of my dogs that's at my feet. He he could be in that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, we had one time. We had about 30, 32 animals on our farm. And, uh, wow. Now we're down to we're down to one horse. Who, by the way, is uh, in the hospital in Belmont racetrack right now. He's sick as a dog. Sick as a horse. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's terrible. But the, and, by the way, uh, and we oh, only sorry. have two dogs. By the way, Peter, you know this so Sunday. Two dogs and four horses. That's it. Uh-huh. Well, that's still a good collection. You know, and we're we're taping this on Wednesday, April fifteenth. Uh, this Sunday, they're going to be airing uh, the first part of that long-awaited um, documentary on ESPN about the Last Dance, the '97 '98 Chicago Bulls. Are we going to be seeing a lot of you in that? No, they didn't interview me. Not once, which is shows me a lot. Uh, he was Michael was in charge of. Uh, he could say yes or no to anybody they interviewed, but I don't think. I, I you know I, I can't I can't understand if they really want to know, you know a lot of stuff that was going on. They, they should have asked me. Now, to tell you the truth, I would not have done it. I would not have done it before. <laughs> no, because I I I've, I've written four chapters on my right now and I have another way to go that I've outlined. So I'm going to have seven very long chapters on Michael in my book. I'm not giving up any of that. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to get into talking about it. I mean, is this going to be one of those things that you're at the age in life, kind of like where I am, where you really don't give a shit about what people think anymore and you're just going to write and Rick. just tell the truth and, and just lay it all out oh, there? Well, oh, hold on. Rick, you never cared. No, I you did, Peter. Cared. No, <laughs> you're wrong. I you're wrong. Cared. No, All you're wrong. I did, right. I did care, right. but I didn't. I, I did care, but I didn't let it bother me, and just to the point where it okay. impacted my performance. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> There's a yeah. big difference okay. between so, the two, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But but uh, no, I, I I've always cared to tell the truth, and whatever happens after that, you know, fine. Well, yeah, but the problem is, don't you feel? Don't you feel? You got to feel like me. I bet you you feel a lot like Jack Nicholson and a few good men, and we use that all the time over here. We can play it for you right now. Go ahead, Cyrus. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And that's kind of the way I feel about a lot of things. And I got me in trouble with broadcasting as it got you in trouble is most people can't handle the freaking truth. Right. So I'm going to get a quick, quick little story off of that. So Aaron Sorkin wrote two good men, correct? Yes, I think, but he's a great yeah. writer. Yeah. No, he did. He wrote it. So I saw the play on Broadway when it, when it opened and uh, I was so enthralled by it because I was in the army for a couple of years. And, and uh, I, want, I, I was going out to Seattle for a game after that. I'm not sure what time of the year. It might have been the playoffs. And I wrote a column on a few good men instead. And uh, I still have the letter from Aaron Sorkin telling me, you know, how much he appreciated and how, many, how, how so many people that, you know, that worked there on the play appreciated it. And he said it, you know, it kept the play running many months of my column. Huh. And, nice. Uh, so, so I still have that letter, man. That's, that's very dear to me, that letter. But to answer your question about, you know, am I going to kill people not for the sake of killing them, Rick? I have written some, I have written some chapters that even my friends say, nah, you know, why? 
But <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to make it. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make it. But I'm telling you, it's all the truth. It's it's really the one. Let me just say the title of the chapter is uh, one of them is called the undesirables. The undesirables. Mm. Okay, mm. that might be a very lengthy chapter. <laughs> it's, oh, it's long as hell, Rick. It's long as hell. <laughs> So I'm not going to tell you who's in it, but I'm sure you could guess a few of them. And I'd... many of them are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so there's another, there's another gripe that I had with the Hall of Fame that they just put, put anybody in there. They don't, they don't care what you did off the court. Well, no, you, you can't, well, well, hold it, Pete. I, I have to stand up for them. You can't blame the Hall. You have to blame the people they choose to put on the various committees, which change all okay. the time. Well, and sometimes I, mean. I and oh, sometimes right. I, well, just so people understand and realize that it's not like the Hall of Fame makes these decisions. They choose various people right. from different walks of life, different you know areas of basketball, and then these people get together and they vote and do things. And I agree with you. Sometimes I'm looking, what the hell were they thinking? I mean, it's seriously, one time, one season, and I even called John DeLeva, who, who does a great job. I think he's been, you know, the best that they've had in the years that I've been around the Hall of Fame, is that, my God, I mean, they didn't have an NBA player. I said, John, how, what the hell, who was on the freaking committee? How could you not have an NBA, Hall, an M, an NBA player going into the Hall of Fame? I mean, how could that possibly yeah. be? Yeah. Well, I think he does a lousy job myself, but, but really? uh, I, I, uh, you're right. Yeah. He's an idiot, but, but you know, oh, the committees, the committees are true. I've been on, I've been on those committees. I've been in that room twice. I've heard the conversation, you know, I, I've had Jerry Colangelo try to influence my vote. You know, mm. so, you know, I know what goes on in that, that, that meeting and, and, you know, they, they have this big thing about, uh, uh, oh, now we have, uh, what's it called? They have, uh, they tell you everything. They, they tell you everything that's going on, supposedly. You know, we're gonna we're gonna put everybody's name on here, and now you know who's who's being you know nominated and all that stuff. Well, big deal. They, that was going on before, but you're still not nominating a lot of people. And just because just because they're nominated, it gets back to the committees that Rick's talking about. You know, there are ABA guys that, that definitely should belong belong in the Hall of Fame, and Jerry Colangelo, that NBA snob. You know, he doesn't think anybody else deserves to be in it. And, you know, I've told him to his face. He's full of shit. But, but uh, you know, so, so I, I, you said it. No, it's ridiculous. I said, Jerry, so the only ABA guys who were any good was, was the ones that you could get to jump to the Suns. Those were the only two that were any good. You know, Ronnie Hawkins and Charlie Scott. I said, you know, or, or, or the ones, you know, Seattle. They, I mean, come on. Whatever. I, okay, I so I know, I know, I know. In the undesirables, let me see. John Deliva and Jerry Colangelo would be no. the undesirables. <laughs> no, neither, neither. Jerry's in it. Jerry's in it because of his Hall of Fame status. He's in charge, so of course he's in it. You know, but Deliva, who, who ever heard of him? Who, who would want to hear of him? You know, so no. Um, no, we're talking. It's very he's easy. Done, very he, easy. But he, He's done a lot. Okay, so you may disagree on certain things, but I have to say that he actually has done a lot of really good things for the sport of basketball. He really has done a lot that would have never gotten done. And just you weren't around before Deliva, I don't think, in, in, involved in it all that much. No. He was way better, no. trust me, than some of the people they had previously. Right. 
Well, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he is. But you know what? It's good. I, my wife, I should have my wife listen to this show after we've taped it and everything, because she's going to probably say, you know, Rick, you, you know, honey, you're not, you're, you're not as bad, boy. That Vessi is something else. I, mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the opinions. They're, they're so strong. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I feel like I grew up. I grew up on the wrong coast. I, sh- I grew. I belong in the East Coast, man. I love your sense of humor. Well, listen, Pete, listen. Your, your wife. Yeah, go on. Go ahead, Sid. No, you want to talk about my wife? Go no, ahead, because she's the best. I met your wife. I met your wife in Denver at the Denver All Star Game. Yeah. And um, she she asked to borrow my my uh, phone for something, and I lent her my phone, and uh, and then Laverne's heart. Jelly Tart was in the wheelchair right near me. Remember that? And, yeah. And I went over to give I went over to give him a hug, and I put my uh, autograph book that I had, you know, autographs in there from my guys I love, and I put it down to go look for your wife for the phone, and it was stolen. Oh no! <laughs> oh my God! Wow. Did that destroy my weekend? Ah. Uh. Well, I'll no, tell my I'll tell my wife that make beautiful. her feel bad. Say, honey, you caught Pete Vesey yeah, causing no, this. <laughs> no, that's too bad. You know, it's really when you lose something that mean, that has meaning and significance oh. to you. It's a horrible thing. Oh, irreplaceable. irreplaceable. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful binder. You know, kind of like, yeah, I, I can understand oh. it. Even to my point, just I'm not even on the same level. When, when I t- I caught my 18 pound freaking peacock bass fish down in the Amazon and I had taken a picture of it. And then all of a sudden the next day I wake up and my phone said, your phone has been disabled. And I went back when I got back to the States and they could never retrieve and get the photo that I had of my 18 uh. freaking pound fish, which is like, I have to use it in my memory. Uh. So, Cause it was my bucket was one of my bucket list fish. And then my oh, other bucket list oh, fish, my other bucket list fish was a 32 and a half inch leopard rainbow that I caught in Alaska. It was with Clifford Ray. I had the guy take a picture and I had him take some pictures with my, with my phone. Clifford takes the picture and the fish is turned. He only takes one picture. I mean, how do you take only one picture with a freaking iPhone? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then and then his fingers over the freaking lens so you can barely see my face. You can And the fish is horrible. No other picture. The guy took one. He took it the same way. Would took one picture with the head turned the wrong way on the fish. So my other bucket list fish, thank God I had the foresight to think, okay, wait a second. You got to take a good picture of this. And I laid it on the net in the water so you can still kind of see it. And it's beautiful colors are there. And it's bigger than the net, but I have a great picture of it, but not me holding it. So I'm holding it, but it looks well, terrible. Rick, picture. Rick you, you took a hell of a chance letting uh, Clifford Ray hold your phone with his hand. Uh, this is true. This is true. And I said, Clifford, I'll never, I'm never asking you to take another picture again. We fish all the time. So that was the last picture I ever let Clifford take. <laughs> hey, but Rick, let me end it. Let me end, end, end this conversation on this. Is, is Clifford Ray the most loyal, the best guy that you've ever been around in your life? Clifford Ray is like a brother to me. He's one of my dearest friends. Uh, I love him dearly. We have an incredible relationship. Uh, in fact, it's really cute when we go out sometimes and, and when even when the boys were younger and he had his son Everett and my son Canyon. So we have, you know, his son, the light-skinned black good look, good looking kid and, and a nice player who's getting kind of screwed around, had injuries and stuff. But then and my son and my son is saying to him, Hey, uncle Clifford. And his son saying to me, Hey, uncle Rick doing it. And they're kind of looking at what the hell is it? I mean, but we're really, really close. Uh, just got a text from him, got a text from him this morning. And I tell people all the time. And, and I mean this sincerely that the most important and most valuable player on the 75 championship warriors team was not me. It was Clifford Ray. Hmm. 
his leadership, the way he, yes, the way, the way he brought the guys together. I said Clifford was the hub. I was one of the important spokes. Right. Hmm. I love I love Clifford. Uh, I mean, we we still carry on a relationship all these years later. I met him coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, he and Gar Heard. Uh, they introduced me to a woman, a girl who I am still in touch with. She lives in Chicago. She's happily married. Uh, you know, it's like amazing, amazing. You look back at how things happen, but I, I absolutely love Clifford. Gar just had a back surgery in, in Arizona. So I stay on top of stuff like that. Yeah, well, Clifford is like one of the nicest. Everybody loves Clifford. There's no question about it. He's uh, treated probably one of the mis most mistreated coaches in the history of the NBA. They have yeah. screwed him over so bad. I mean, not even to have him sitting on the bench. I mean, have him lowest paid player on the staff with what he did. I mean, it, it's just, it's reprehensible Boston. and so inexcusable. You're talking with Boston? I'm talking about everyone, wherever he's been. He's never been really treated wherever. fairly, never paid what he should have been paid, and especially in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, I know, Rick. I, I've written about him. I've definitely written about that stuff. Yeah, well, it's a lot worse than people realize. It's it's so sad. It really is. So. Well, Rick, I'll let I'll let you two finish things up, but I just want to jump out of here and say, Peter, I, thank thank you for coming on, and and for someone who grew up watching you, I agreed with nearly everything you said. I loved your sense of humor. I still do, and just thanks for coming on, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah, to meet Pete, you. we really appreciate it, Pete, Pete Fessy. Pete, thank continue you. good health, stay healthy. All the best to you and your family. Uh, for thank Cyrus Satchis, my co-host, this is Rick Barry here on Warriors 24. God bless all of you. Stay healthy, everyone, and let's all pray that we can get this virus under control. And please just pay attention to the rules and regulations that they have to help in that cause. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.